Woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Trip on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in Wall up, wall up, and Jacks. I'm coming out. Red Burn on the board, S&P Futures down 1350, and S&P Futures on 93, so we're slipping as we uh, slipped last week, and it uh, looks like we're slipping again today, at least so far. We have Mr. Pappas with us. I'm here, Chief. How are you? So, Good morning. Um, the, uh, we're going to talk a little about inflation today, and we also want to discuss with you how can you raise all your drink prices. Yeah, the... Like like most uh, inputs, <laughs> you've seen probably around ten percent. I think fifteen percent. Yeah, but so you guys are always so high. We're, you're always so high to ten. Hey, you're so high to ten percent. It's like a lot. Just oh, ten percent. Uh, what every seven years it doubles. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much. Is it the rule of seven? There you go. See, this guy knows his stuff. Um, how are you? Doing well. Good weekend. Good for you. I actually went to the, I actually did a bunch of stuff this weekend, but I went to the restaurant depot on Saturday. And, uh. It's a dangerous place, Chief. I know, it is. Scary. What is the difference between the, the restaurant depot side and the Jetro side? Uh, I think they just made an agreement after and decided to share space, maybe. Or maybe one owns the other. I'm not entirely sure. Because there's nothing, one is, uh, totally different stuff than the other one. It's weird. Yeah. Um, what was the over-under? Uh, let me set the over-under on your total bill going Well, you know, there. I just got I'm some stuff for you. Well, here, I, th- I think I spent about 100 bucks, and I'm going to say two months ago, what I bought would have been 75 It's that much higher. I couldn't you believe eggs. Fertilizer? No, I bought eggs. I mean, I usually get the... the uh, for those of you who think that this is kind of really weird, well, it's not. Uh, well, it is, only because it has to be, because uh, at PTI offices, we actually have a kitchen. And as you well know, uh, for two years now, there hasn't been any place down here to even have breakfast. Or We're starting to get some lunch places back. We go, we go over a series for lunch, right? But we're still not open for breakfast. And plus, you know, we uh, with all the, the market doing what it's doing, it's not like we have, uh, you know, we want a whole bunch of extra people for three people could be out having lunch every day, you know, for an hour and a half, so... Uh, we, you know, we have a kitchen here, so I've paid, uh, how, I mean, at the premium, premium eggs, they're what, five bucks for, uh, how, how many eggs did well, you buy, Chief? Well, I mean, I bought, uh, here's a good one for you. 
And Ren, I have asked this question on the air a bunch of times. Would you pay, well, first of all, I've never seen 36 bucks for a case before. I've paid as little as 10 and as high as 23. I've never paid 36 for 12 dozen jumbos. Now the question is, would you pay? Yeah. Yeah, would you pay? Yeah, I mean, that's high. So would you pay 36 for 12 dozen jumbos or 39 for 15 dozen extra large? Uh, if it was, if it was me, I'd probably go for the more, just because. Well, I did because, uh, the, the gang, one of the reasons why I bought them is Audrey and the, the gang loves to do their, the color of the eggs, and I think it's a hell of a lot easier to hard boil an extra large than a jumbo. Just saying. Well, if you want, uh, if you want to hard boil a whole bunch of eggs, I'm sure we could help you out. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, you know what? I, I always found it pretty tricky. I always ended up hard boiling. Although that price, compared to where we are, I think I think it's around the same. Yeah, actually, the retail stores were a little cheaper, but I'll bet it's coming because those guys are, are uh, higher up the chain. Yeah. Anyway, so for those who are not familiar with why I'm talking about restaurants, I also uh, manage a series, yes. which is in the lobby of the Board of Trade. Where I've been going for forty some years, you know. So it's, like, but uh, it's uh, we we were distraught when you guys were closed for COVID. Eighteen months. Yeah, didn't that scary? My what were months, and then when you turn the wheels back and start them uh, rotating again, there's a lot of stuff to work out. Well, I love the part when you guys first opened. This is how this is how bad downtown Chicago was when uh, these guys first opened. You go in, you say, "Oh, give me a." You know, whatever something in a Seven Up. Well, not a Seven Up guy. <laughs> He's not coming. He hasn't come downtown in six months. He's not. We're not even on his route anymore. Remember that when you first guys first opened? Yeah, yeah. And and there was an aluminum shortage at that point too. So even if we were on the route, sometimes uh, it wouldn't happen because they would just prioritize the largest of the large customers, and then everyone else was just uh, SOL. Well, some of uh. Audrey's pals, and well, of course my pals too, because one of the ladies who's been on the trading floor, um, she works for one of the beverage companies. And they, with all the hotels and everybody downtown closed, the, the ladies who were selling the, the booze downtown into the biggest places, they were all, they were all stacking shelves at like, you know, Kenwood or someplace. They, they weren't even down here. The people who used to work McCormick Place and all, you know, there was nothing for them to do. Yeah. <laughs> And at that point, labor was hard to come by. So if yeah. you got people, you got to you know, do the jobs that you have. Um, but anyway, our, our favorite place is back open. Everybody there is, everybody there is great, even though they just raise the prices. Just saying. But everybody has. You're right yeah, about that. If uh, inflation is here, notice how I've, I've led you into. Uh, did you get a chance to look at that thing I sent you last night? And uh, no, this is not the same one that my. Although, yeah, was it the World Food Organization or? Yeah, you know, what, this is not the same one that outlined thirteen percent inflation <laughs> in a month. Yeah. No. Oops. Yeah. Oops. But it, um, this is not the same one that my uh, my brother hands me the one where they got the cereal index and all that other kind of stuff. This one's, but this one actually was a little, even though the, the, the print is a lot finer. There wasn't no nice chart you could read. This is the F, uh, FAO. This is the F- Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, right? Um, yeah. That this is this is something like, uh, I mean, you, I know we've gone through this before, but I figured we might as well have something in front of us. The FAO Food Price Index averaged 
159.3 points in March 2022, up 17.9 points, 12.6% from February. Yeah, and if you really look at that one, the vegetable oils went, went bananas more so than the, the dairy and the sugar. Right, but the the, the cereal price is, uh, is up 17.1% from February. Now, why would there be... A, why is there a twenty three percent increase in the in the oils? I mean that year that year the year they crush, man. What uh, what's that all about? Well, a, a lot of the times, the rule of thumb is kind of watch what crude's doing, and the bean oil will follow. So during really? during that, the bean oil really really popped, and uh, rapeseed, bean oil, and I forgot. There's another one that's equivalent. It's the same. You know, uh, chemicals, mostly the same chemical makeup, but those pop as the uh, as the energies increase, and we see it. I mean, from Ra- like rape- 184 to 250 was the index. The term rapeseed oil has been has been gentrified down to canola oil, correct? Yeah, yeah. So if you go in a in a store, you're not going to see rapeseed because it's a, it's a bad you know it's not, it's not the best term. That's yeah. that's canola oil, correct? <laughs> For for whatever reason, I think chemically they are uh, substitutes. Yeah, and I think you'll never see a bottle of rapeseed oil. In different countries, they still label it as rapeseed. Really, really. I think ICE has a contract called uh, either canola or rapeseed. Um, that's interesting. So now, when when this index, how many countries do you have any idea how they do this? These world price uh, indexes and just. <laughs> Take weight all the beans, the what was it? Cereals. Well, the one my brother looks at is that cereal, the cereal column, which is which doesn't have this one does not have that. This is uh, this is sugar, meat, dairy, uh, vegetable yeah, oil, meat, and and cereal. dairy and sugar. I know offset some of the vegetable oil increase. Um. But that was like 20, 25%, I think, versus like three in the dairy and the meat or five. Yeah. Yeah, the cereal is the one, and that's the one my brother says you're supposed to watch because it's the, uh, in most places people eat, eat bread, right? I mean, it's their, it's their daily staple. And if you're, when, when I say cereal, they're not talking about grape nuts, they're talking about anything in the wheat, barley, oat group, correct? Where people actually eat. Yeah, it's the International Grains Council numbers. That was it. Uh, there's, there's, what there's, uh, what's, world wheat prices are in here. But then there's called, uh. There's corn, barley, sorghum, and then, uh. What is sorghum? Some, just another wheat. Okay, but maize is corn, correct? Yeah, maize is, is corn. And the cereal price index was what was that up? Uh, um, twenty. See if I can find it. Up, up twenty seventeen point one percent. Yeah, in so one the month. Cereal and the and the the oils were the what drove the whole index up. So what we're talking about is a problem it? because when the world doesn't have uh, a lot of cash, and their your food prices go up twenty percent or more in the past six months. We've got serious problems. So we're talking about um, my brother's index brings brings it down to dollars. Well, this one probably does too. If we went to page two or three, um, so some somebody 
hanging on the Gaza Strip, uh, his, his cost of eating per day just went from five bucks to five seventy-five in a month. Problem is, there's no way on earth. Yeah, and they only there. make two dollars a day. So. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, and big, the, big percentage shift. Um, and the, in good news, if you look out into new crop, which is stuff that's being planted right now, because we can tell the prices out six months, eight months from now, uh, you, you do see a decent decline in beans. So if you wanted to buy beans six six months from now, uh, you paid what was it? I think a dollar lower. Same thing's happening in oil too. Uh, is there anything? Is there any? <clears throat> Commodity anywhere that's uh, not in, not in uh, backwardation? Yeah, the meats. Really? Okay. <laughs> so that might be more inflation coming, but really, if we only saw five and and the other stuff was twenty, so I'd say somewhere probably in between five and twenty. But the meats, meaning live and feeder cattle and hogs, uh, those are either even or at a uh, there's they're higher. If you go out six months, they don't do bellies anymore, do they? I don't think so. I don't know. I haven't I haven't traded that. Way way back in the day, it was always the, they. I don't know. They didn't before they had live hogs. They had the bellies. Bellies meaning what's the bacon? Oh, yeah. And uh, there was one summer, Greg. This is way back. It's probably well before probably you were trading. Um, the the, uh, the bellies were up or down limit. Like seventy percent of the days of the summer, to the point where you couldn't, <laughs> to like you couldn't even trade it, and they never, they never expanded. I don't think they expanded the the, the uh, range either. But the weird was the weird part is it would be up limit next day, it'd be down limit, and uh, so somebody, somebody, some knave calculated that the day it was up limit. Now, if something is up limit, it means it reaches a limit price. Uh, it's bid at the limit. The so futures you, prices are frozen or cap or, or, or floored. And then you can still trade the options outside, but, uh, they, it's like a circuit breaker. Yeah. But if it's up limit, you can't buy anything, but you can always sell something at the, at the, because it's bid there, correct? Yes. So this, somebody calculated that if you would have, every time it was up limit, if you just sold the one lot, the, the next day, when it was down limit, if you'd have bought two, <laughs> so you're now your long one. If you did that all summer, you've been up like twenty five grand on one on one lot or some huge number. Wow! Yeah, it was like, like really. Um, but are, how much of a? Uh, I know you are somewhat of a, and, and you know you've read a book without pictures once in a while. What do you think of the correlation between? Uh, um, like these food prices and this general unrest. I mean, my brother always points to the the 2011 and spike. This happening to correspond. That caught, we don't know about it's causative or not. Happened to correspond to like the Arab Spring and all that stuff. But I mean, if this hangs in there, is this is this a cause of a lot of unrest? People. Yeah. Can't when when you think about good, bad, or ugly, that's the ugly scenario where the food su- uh, supply is diminishing and your currency is in trouble and your political situation, that's like the combination that nobody ever wants to have that leads to a unrest. And it could be headed there. I mean, if if these prices, you know, far out the new crop, if they start going higher than they already are, that just means more inflation. And, you know, who, who knows how long places like 
China, uh, Egypt, Indonesia, all the big importers of, of food, those places um, have serious, serious problems. <laughs> Do you think it doesn't there's help any... anybody to have expensive food? Do you think there's any correlation? Boy, this is this is really a reach, but I'll ask the question. Do you think there's any correlation between China's difficulty getting enough child, basically, for their population, and locking these people down and like almost damn near killing their population with this COVID stuff? I uh, I wouldn't know, but what I've seen uh, from just just keeping in in tune with Twitter. Um, they are extremely worried about it spreading again, meaning in the big cities, which they could double their uh, double their cases again, which they think is is completely unacceptable. So they have locked on what Shanghai for yeah. a week and a half. But this particular variant, all those people are screaming at. But this particular variant isn't killing anybody. We're just getting it, and two weeks later, pretty much it, not everybody, but pretty much everybody's okay. And we ran through here Christmas. Yeah, I, that's name me a person. Unacceptable for yeah, them. Yeah, well, name me a person you didn't know had it Christmas Christmas week here. The whole world had it here. Yeah. I mean, uh, and, I'd be most worried about about Egypt and say the ones who really import the wheat. Uh, so Egypt, Indonesia, Turkey. Turkey's got inflation problems already. If you if you really increase their prices some more, you know, how, how much are you going to squeeze these people? Well, the Turkish issue, that's one of the, uh, one of the things, I actually have a, one of the listeners to the show, uh, left Audrey a, uh, I, I left it at home, of course, like a knucklehead, uh, left Audrey a, an economic brochure from somebody from one of these institutes, and I'm going to have to, uh, well, first of all, I'll bring it in tomorrow, or, or read it a little bit, but I, I have to bring the, the dude in the, uh, see if we can get him on as a guest, I mean, it's a, very serious his, history of inflation in the U.S., maybe eight-page pamphlet that is way more articulate than anything I've ever put together. And, uh, and, it, and when it's, and it's, but every time, you know, it's not like, uh, shall we say, our current group of people that I don't, I don't think understand much about economics, but they, uh, are always looking for something new this time. In, 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 in my, in my world, uh, Greg, as soon as I saw Turkey having so much, Inflation. I took a look at the inflation graph over there, and I took a look at the Turkey, whatever their, whatever their, what's their, what's their currency? Is it a lira? I think it's a lira. Yeah, a lira. Uh, I took a look at their inflate or money supply graph. They match. You know, he's pouring money into the system because yeah. then the guy who's running the place, he's kind of a the guy. He's an odd duck. Uh, didn't he? He's fired. Like, the one. Yeah, didn't he? Hasn't he fired like two or three central bankers because they want to? Raise interest rates because they, they well they didn't the sign up for his program. Yeah, they couldn't be the problem. It can't, it can't be them causing it, right? Right. Uh, you're not. <laughs> you're not the cause. You're you're just dealing with. Uh, yeah, all these outside. You're just dealing with what the the rest of the world is punishing us. Yeah, I mean it has nothing to do. I ran the same way. I ran their, their money supplies going to the moon, and their inflation is going to the moon. You know. By the way, yeah. so is their stock market. In their, in terms of and that their, probably dollar. continues as long as the dollar is, you know, king dollar. Yeah, well, the the stock market, not in terms of U.S. dollars, but in terms of their currency. Personally, Bitcoin doesn't sound so bad if you're there. Well, except, well, if if it really was a currency, it probably wouldn't. 
but it it sort of isn't. Did you did you see all the guys down at the uh, Miami show? Matter of fact, some of the a lot of the guys from the one of the firms I work with sent their guys down there, and everybody is Peter Thiel's calling everybody their their Bitcoin enemies. So how much? He's a sociopathic grandpa from yeah. Omaha. So how is it that back in the twenties, when banks were the biggest uh, pusher of stocks, right? And of course, only they knew. Like the, uh, there was no such thing as a annual report or anything or an audited statement back in those days. Uh, those guys knew everything about the firm, so they would essentially buy the place and then tell you how good it was and sell it to you. Now you have been a trader, you know, pretty much a lot of your adult life, like me. And the idea of this is such a great bargain, you should buy it, and then you say, "Well, who's selling it to me?" And the guy goes, "I am." <laughs> The first, first thing is, it seems first, like there's a conflict of interest. Just a tad. You know, the more light you can put on something, usually the fair pricing that you get. Yeah, you know, transparency is a good thing. If there's not a lot of transparency, I hope the portfolio allocation is small. But name me somebody who doesn't own Bitcoin, telling you how you should go out and buy it or or how good it is. There isn't anybody. It's only people. As soon as they buy it, then they yeah, tell you to I'd, go buy it. I'd imagine uh, Peter Thiel has a couple billion dollars in Bitcoin. I. Uh, you know, I, I was, I'll ask you. I'm going to ask you. I've asked everybody else. I bored everybody else with it, but um, I, I don't. Given what the countries are doing with theirs, and you know, kind of debasing their own currencies, it wouldn't surprise me at all, Greg. If, if someday, somewhere, somebody says, "Well, here's going to be a new currency that nobody's going to mess with," and by the way, every every uh, we'll call it a Greg. You know, one Greg is equal to uh, you know a gallon of oil. Or something, yeah. You know, or or a, a bu- half a bushel of corn, or whatever. It is. Something that has some sort of value that you can peg to everything else, and uh, and for that to all of a sudden be a medium that would stop all the countries doing what they're doing to their currency. I, I don't know how you'd organize something like that, but it, that, that wouldn't surprise me. But the idea that you, you essentially make up a stock, give you some storm, some weirdo story about some bearded dude like in a, in a kung fu episode coming down from the mountain inventing it and then going back and and nobody's behind it nobody's scooping up the ones that where people can't remember their password i don't believe any of that crap do you i mean i i just don't <laughs> well i if it's real if it's people are dumping in billions of dollars into it you know good luck to them uh i'm not but that's that's this is America. You know, do what well, you want. <laughs> well, you know, some of the stocks that people are trading, there's never any profits there, so it's pretty much a made-up stock, too. But, I mean, you know, I always say that the, uh, the the difference between this and the tulip mania is at least at the end of the tulip mania, you had a tulip. <laughs> yeah. Bitcoin, uh, if the power goes away, you don't have your Bitcoin anymore. So you're not a Bitcoin... Matter of fact, uh, get a little of this. We've got a minute. Um, one of my friends and contributors to the show uh, has has a guy... Who was looking for somebody to raise money for uh, to, to mine bitcoins? And evidently, it's and what's their break-even price? Um, you know what? I have it, it all written down here somewhere. I talked to the guy for a half hour. It has, you, you for a hundred grand if you put in the the average. Uh, I think was it three bitcoins a year or something out of one server? Or is it so? You so for a hundred grand, it's the it's the power in the server. And they average three, mine three a year. So what? They're 
say fifty grand. Thirty-five thousand. Yeah. So you're, yeah. So you're that that right now is the break even. Of course, if you if the thing drops, you, or if they change the they change the mechanism or something, I don't you know I don't know how mind the damn thing, but uh, but somehow or another there's this guy says you know if he if he wants to cover a million dollars, he'll he'll put ten servers in his basically his basement and they claim it's going to return whatever. And I'm like, Ugh. well, what could go wrong there? Yeah. It's about your power. It's about the uh, about the value. So yeah. if you've got that break-even price that's lower, churn away. Yeah, I mean, uh, but I don't know. Six months from now, if it's not more power, if it's not this or not that, I mean, I, it seems like kind of a reach that this is going to still be here ten years from now, isn't it? Well, there's a whole bunch of nice, good stocks that'll get you five percent a year. I mean, that's not great considering inflation, right? But, uh, I, I, the five percent, you know, that's that's not terrible. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I would probably choose that over Bitcoin if it were me. Well, that's true. Hey, bud, take care of yourself. Thank you very much. Good stuff. Uh, SP futures down nineteen Big now. Package. We're leaking a little bit here, Greg. We're down nineteen. Nasdaq down one eighteen. I thought we'd start this week out halfway decent after last week's horrible week, but it's not. We'll be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding health care reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. 
Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Amos, Matt Byrne on the board. SP futures down 20 and a quarter. NSA futures down 125. Dow futures down 50 only. Only compared to the other two. Uh, we got a couple. We got Microsoft down three bucks, 293 on Microsoft. Uh, we've got Apple down two bucks. But we also had a couple up. We've got, uh, McDonald's up 50 cents. So it's down on the Dow, but not heavy. The rest of the stuff is, uh, a little more. Uh, over in Asia, as they say in the trading floor, whack, 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 whack. Nikkei down 164.6%. That's not that much. But Shanghai down 84, 2.6%. Hang Seng down 663. That's over 3%. Most of the stocks, most of the exchanges over there are in a 3% range. Uh, China's producer price inflation is to the moon. Plus, in Shanghai, despite the massive lockdown, they've got more cases than they ever have. So, uh, as I've said, when, when, when COVID first started, Here's one principle that we can't get away from. Everybody has to be every place, someplace, not every place. And, it's, and if you lock everybody in a house with 10 people in a house, I don't know how the hell exactly that stops it from spreading, but I guess it keeps it down to 10, but that's sort of. Dex down 66.5%, FTSE down 32.4%. CAC around, however, is up 52, that's 0.8%. Uh, SOC Gen is up 6%, a big bank over in France. Uh, bonds, uh, up four, four basis points, 275 again. Uh, that's as high as we've seen it. The Bund up eight cents, eight, eight basis points to point seven, well, call it point eight if you round it up. Uh, Japan up one to point two four. Uh, as Friday we had a mixed bag, we had the Dow up one thirty seven, S&P was down twelve, and NASDAQ was down one eighty six. So it was a pretty horrendous week for the NASDAQ. Uh, oil up down four dollars, get this, four dollars and nineteen cents, ninety four oh seven. Brent down three eighty three, ninety eight ninety five. Natural gas down up seven cents, six six thirty four in natural gas. That's that's really something. Our Bob down a dime to three oh two. We've got gold up fourteen forty, blasting through nineteen fifty, nineteen sixty. Are we talking about two thousand here on gold? That would be nice. Got a lot of gold for my people. Up forty one cents on the silver, twenty five twenty four. Smaller position there. A copper down two cents, four sixty nine. And we've got crypto down twenty one hundred bucks. Make that twenty two hundred bucks. Forty one thousand zero three five on the. On the Bitcoin number. A lot of stuff there, Matt. What do you got for us, Trevi, Weather sports? Interesting yeah. sports. Good sports. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, currently it's 6.36 a.m., April 11th, 2022. And sports last night, uh, NBA uh, Bulls take down Minnesota Timber- Timberwolves 124 to 120. And the Suns were beaten pretty badly by the Sacramento Kings 109-116. Uh, and the Blackhawks last night, they lost the Dallas Stars 4 to 6. In the MLB, White Sox decimated the Detroit Tigers ten to one. Yeah, Cubs uh, lose to Brewers four to five. Diamondbacks lose to pa- San Diego Padres five to ten. Now on to weather. Currently car- partially cloudy in Chicago, but it's gonna be cloudier later later on. Fifty seven degrees, high of fifty eight, and a low of thirty nine. Feel like I'm having a heat stroke in here. It's that hot. 
Uh, Phoenix, clear skies, 67 degrees, high of 86, and a low of 61. Now to traffic. Traffic eastbound the Eisenhower between Wolf Road and 1st Avenue. Traffic westbound the Dan Ryan between 31st and Randolph Street. And minor traffic northbound the Stevenson between South Central and South Kedzie. And minor traffic eastbound the Kennedy between North Harlem and Lawrence Avenue. That's all we got, Chief. Back to you. Not so bad on the traffic today? Not so bad. We had a lot of traffic this weekend, a lot of shootings, the usual stuff. Mm. We, were, uh, we have Mr. Jan. You do indeed, Tom. Good morning. Um, good morning. How are you? I'm okay. And yourself? I'm hanging in there. You know, the uh, interesting weekend uh, did some stuff. Um, accomplished a few things. So, you know, I guess it was pretty good. The, uh, I accomplished more than I did. Uh, I didn't accomplish a lot at all. <laughs> well, I, uh, the... Uh, it was a good weekend. <laughs> yeah, it was a... You got that sock drawer all rearranged, did you? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's Open another sock drawer. <laughs> the uh, what, what did you make out of your listening in? What What do you make it as these uh, food price increases worldwide and all this stuff? I mean, this is crazy. Huh? This is crazy. At first, I thought I was Leo. I put on another pair of glasses last night when I was looking at it. And I thought this can't be what I'm looking at, but it was. Um, that's the one month numbers from just February. I, I, I you know. I don't look at that table as a matter of course, so it's not something I'm, I'm familiar with from previous inspections, but I, I'm going to be looking at it more regularly from now on. I couldn't believe it. Well, the uh, Audrey gave me, and she does, of course, you can't remember who the hell gave it to her, but uh, somebody gave it to her, say, hey, give this to Tom because he'll love reading it. It was a, a guy from, I'll have all this stuff tomorrow because I intend to invite the guy in as a guest. Uh, anyway, it's a very succinct. A pamphlet on inflation with a lot of history to it, and God, you'd swear that. Uh, well, I'm not as eloquent because so I know he didn't steal it from me. Um, just amazing history in the U.S. And basically, uh, he starts out by saying uh, that money is a good like anything else. And as soon as you understand that, like like anything else, it has it has supply and demand. And if you put too much supply in, it starts to degrade in terms of everything else. Uh, but one of the int- interesting parts was uh, if you if you want to look at again he goes through the routine that there's only there's only uh, three ways it's it's not the government deficit spending it's not the government uh, spending too much money as the Keynes Keynesians would say I mean right now whenever somebody says well we're having an, you know we're doing uh, whatever infrastructure program we're doing this any other thing somehow or another that's inflationary there is other things inflationary. Janet, that's total, total BS. Yep. It, it comes down to where you get the money from. And like this guy said, which again, I'll bring in tomorrow, so we don't have to borrow it two days in a row, but he said you either tax it, you borrow it, or you print it. And the most interesting uh, conf- conflict, well, it was a conflict, and it was interesting, especially if you got killed or lost, lost a leg or something. The American Civil War, the difference between the North and the South you could say that the reason why the North won, there's, well, there's several reasons. They had more, bigger population, better manufacturing. and But the other one was the the North, you know, I'll get these specific statistics tomorrow, was able to borrow from their population. They had all kinds of bonds. The, uh, and they were able to raise taxes. Mostly at that time were tariffs and uh, excise taxes on various things. I don't... I don't think there was an income tax, but I'm, you know, not even a temporary one. But there, there might have been. I don't think there was. Uh, and so they were. They only had. To, they only essentially printed. Something, I'll get the exact number tomorrow. Something like ten to fifteen percent 
of the uh, the money that they spent, which means the inflation was there was it was there with the greenbacks and stuff. But the, the the South, on the other hand, was only able they weren't able to tax really crap because they didn't, there were people in that kind of money. There was no imports or anything, so the tariffs they couldn't do much on. So they ended up printing forty percent of their deficit, forty to fifty. Inflation was through the roof, and it was burying their population. And where they lost, really wanted no more part of the war in terms of money. That uh, so the, the the difference in how much of it was printed versus taxed or or uh, borrowed was dramatic, and you could see the difference in the in the in the two different currencies. I mean, the Confederate currency ended up being worthless, right? Right. So, but it, it's I, I guess I have a real problem, Jan. We're, we're we're so far down this road, and 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 nobody says that, and it, it's it's just right there as a it's like a nose on your face for God's sake. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the, the position of the the South and the Civil War. I mean, I, I read somewhere. I'll see if I can track it down. But at the time the war started, the, the GDP of the Confederate States did not equal the GDP of the state of Massachusetts, and because they, I mean, they were exports, cotton agriculture were important to the south they were crucial but they were minuscule compared to just one manufacturing state in the north and the manufacturing that went on in the north during the war is is striking i mean because the country was churning to get stuff out war material transportation the railroads agriculture every everything got pumped up um it's sort of the in some ways the opposite of what we have you know, in recent times where with lockdowns and everything else, you're trying to see, you know, can you keep the economy on life support? And, of course, we've, we've barely succeeded. But back then it was it was a different story. And the South, meanwhile, just had no way of, of taxing goods or production or anything else because there wasn't any. And, you know, the, 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 that sort of made the writing on the wall pretty clear for everybody at the time. Um, but put alongside today, you got to think, well, you know, any lockdown, any any enforced lockdown that we've had, no matter how short, let alone as long as the ones we've had, are going to have long-term, you know, shock value. So I, I just, I don't think we really understand how that coupled with just printing money willy-nilly has put us in a, in a, a terrible spot, because we're still not catching up, really. No, we're, no, we're, we're definitely not. We're, we've got money up the wazoo, but, you know, what, what the heck? This is a fatal combination effect. Well, the money is in. It makes it exceptionally difficult, even for me. I mean, well, even for me. I'm not the best at this, but if you, if you plunk me, not that I want to, and you have to, you have to do some serious makeup. If you plunk me on national TV compared to next to all these so-called economists, I have a real problem, Jan, because they're they're spouting out numbers, and if you look at the nominal numbers, you can find nominal numbers. That will, when I say nominal, you talk about grossly, you say, well, gee, look at Home Depot or same store sales or this. If you forget the inflation part, if you forget the other part, and you look at what, like, gross spending is in certain areas, I mean, if you go into an expensive restaurant where people that have either had investments or they were, they were participating in the government largesse, I mean, don't forget, the government's thrown around, what, three trillion dollars? It's a lot of yeah. money. So if you, if you were, if you were a catcher <laughs> to, to their pitching, you, you know, the sky's the limit. And, and how much you can spend, right? I mean, it's it's basically you know that that and uh because you because you've got nothing but money. I mean, it, it's not like it, it didn't go someplace, but uh so to try and 
cut your way through. I mean, there, there's. I think the difference lies, John, is is not in that you know whether you and I are smarter or dumber than these other guys. The question comes down to, you know, where do you look? And to me, if you look at a, you know, pick a place where you know they have a say it's a union contract. I don't know what other people are making or not, but if it's a union contract, whatever it is, whether it's teachers, whether it's laborers, whether it's you know machinists, if they're talking about a six percent raise a year for the next three years. I'm going to say that without, without a doubt, that's a recession <laughs> because the, because the inflation rate's going to be ten or nine or eight, but whatever it is, it's going to be it's going to be higher than their raises. Correct. Oh yeah, uh, you know, and, uh, Carol Carl said this on your your show yeah. on Friday that we're in a recession by, by by the standards I think most people would look at with with crazy damn belief inflation and growth and, and numbers that you can't really isolate from all of this so you're not dealing with with numbers that come close to telling you just how weak everything has become and a, a government that's just gone off the rails on so many issues um how, how could you say we're not in in recession such that the, we got to do something about it but but instead we're going to be wrangling you know you know with the fed and everybody else for the next six months are we really close to a recession or not and that that's part of this problem too that by by not talking about it or admitting it doesn't it's not that we prevent Bad stuff from happening. We just make it harder to well, take but if I, out of it. Well, if I turn the other the other cheek, as it were, uh, I'll, I'll keep the the cheek on my face, not the other cheek. Uh, <laughs> if I turn, it's getting harder for me to turn the other one. <laughs> <laughs> if I, but I could easily say, Jan, Jan, what the bleep are you talking about? The uh, GDP is up five point four percent last quarter. What kind, what kind of say? Where in your mind is there a recession? Well, I, you know, I have to take you know the, the cities, the, the you know the centers of the cities as an index of how nothing's happening, and you got you know a real estate market that is pretty much dead at the high level, such such that there's no appetite for expansion among properties that are just going to deteriorate if they're not leased or you know functioning, and you've got you know a, a nervous working force that is still fighting about you know vaccination mandates and mask mandates and the school masking mandates and all the nutty stuff that we've been around the block with too many times uh, you can't as long as you keep those kind of constraints on people's expectations I don't think you're letting the economy do what, it's, what it could do you're not, you're not certainly letting people do what they would do if you didn't have all this other crazy stuff to deal with uh, it's all about tamping down enthusiasm and vision uh, and I hate to say it but hope but Jen, if you were running for office, or if you were either uh, a, a well a Republican, which you are, or uh, I don't think you're that much of a Trumper, but the uh, if you're a Republican and you're going to say, "Look how beautiful were, things were last year," or if you're a Democrat right now, you're going to say, "What are you talking about? We we the government ex- did work worked tremendously. Everybody knew everybody was hurting. We sent everybody a check. Look at how high the." I mean, if you listen to CNBC or Fox Business, nine out of ten people are going to tell you how the economy is absolutely surging on gross numbers. Yet you and I, I mean, I mean me for sure. I mean, uh, I learned this in my book uh, from William Kennedy, Freedom from Fear. You've got to look at different segments. You can't just look at a gross number and and say everybody's doing fine because it's well, even though people do it all day long, I'll say it right here: it's stone cold ignorant to say that because. You can't generalize people. 
I mean, uh, the, the South, after the Civil War, was a third world country to what? At least World War One, right? Oh, yeah, and even after. Really, even after. In a lot, of, a lot of corners. Yeah, by the way, was, was, uh, was cotton their biggest cash crop, or was it tobacco? Well, regionally, uh, probably the, the tobacco, you know, production exceeded um, cotton in value. But if you looked at, I think, the number of acres, I mean, cotton is a, is a much more damaging crop environmentally, labor-wise, and everything else than tobacco is. But probably tobacco, um, you know, more more profitable. And given how you know, consumption patterns were changing, too, more and more people were smoking, and women eventually were smoking, on and on and on. I, I bet tobacco, you know, way out distance um, cotton is the South's primary source of income. Um, but I, I think probably in, in the 1860s it was still cotton. Well, you know, to... Boy, I should know this instead of speculating on the air. I don't. I don't think tobacco is more northern south, right? Like, how's that for a Carolinas? And, you know. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, I don't, I don't think you. Right. It's not deep Mississippi and Alabama. No, I mean, I don't. I don't think of tobacco in Texas and Louisiana and southern Alabama. So. But you know, what I'm saying. But but if you turn around and look at who's who's exactly in a recession and who isn't, clearly the people working for CNBC are not in a recession. Right. Duh. I mean, right. Duh. Well, frankly, any C- CEO of a company that's still functioning. You know. Yeah, or people. I mean, if you're if you're the top three hundred people at Commonwealth Edison, you're not feeling it. Or people's gas. I mean, I mean, if you the, anybody who's got, you know, their their nose basically up to behind a government somehow in a regulated industry or in some sort of a cartel, I think is doing fine. And you you've, you've had some. I think dramatic improvements. I don't know if they're keeping. Yeah, I think they probably are. The people, well, they're down so low anyway. As you say in the trading floor, Jan, we're down so low it's starting to look like up. Um, I don't know where that's what that means exactly, but, but I mean, but I think there's a lot. Of, pretty low, though. Yeah, but I'm saying I think there's a lot of people that have two years ago were making ten bucks an hour that are now making fifteen. But I don't know. I mean, it, and they're still losing. Yeah, probably still. I mean, it's. It, I mean, if you go back, you know, twenty years. That ten should be, you know, twenty or twenty-two, and it's not. It's fifteen, but it's better than it was when it was ten, right? But uh, if you look at the gas prices, the parking rates, the, the tolls, everything else, I mean, it's still harder than hell to get to work. Not to mention if you have to buy a used car, um, well, all those kinds of things. But, but the, uh, I, you know, you just if you if you identify each each percent percentile of the uh, population, where, where do you think? I'm going to say the the fifty percentile person. Is is clearly in a, has been in a recession for twenty years. Oh yeah, yeah, in, in a bad one for the last yeah. twelve. But I, I'm going to say the 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 uh, almost the people at that at that level. I mean, right now is are all the uh, I don't know if you think you know it's better than me. Are all the limits on help and stuff on Obamacare and things like that, and Medicaid? Are they all still around? Fifty thousand bucks for a family. I mean, what's the highest you? Yeah, as far as I know, you know, I, I've not done any in-depth work on it, but but from what I hear, I, I think it's the same. So I'm, I'm going to say that the person, the family making thirty-five thousand, that avails themselves of a lot of the government help, uh, is probably almost doing as well as somebody who's making fifty-five is paying it all themselves. Uh, you, you don't you don't want to be the family making fifty-five paying for your own health insurance. That that's almost the, the absolute worst spot to be, I think. Right now, somebody who's the family's making in the mid fifties that has the, a, a nice health insurance paid for, 
I think they're probably uh, almost not in a recession, Jen. If it, because if, if you but if you take the healthcare piece out, a lot. I mean, a lot of this is that's why I mean, we're having Nancy on in a later part of the show, and I'm, I'm not going to grill her about it again because we've talked about it twice. But I don't. I'm stunned that when you go get a mortgage, whether or not you pay your own health insurance. I mean, they're they're all over every piece of credit card debt. I mean, Dad Frank. I mean, if you if you owe two grand a credit card, hell, all all it would take is a is a sprained ankle, and you're going to the emergency room five, right? Right. And you would think. I mean, in other times when people had employer provided health care, and you had to provide you know a pay stub as part of of your mortgage credit check, it was pretty easy for anybody to look at that and say, well, here's what's coming out of your gross every two weeks. And this is what you're paying in health care. And it did affect your bottom line. Um, that showed how much of a nut you could put together to buy something. So it, it was it sort of implied that your health care costs affected your ability to qualify for a mortgage because it was all coming out of paperwork that just was routinely submitted as part of the application process. That isn't the case now. And, you know, if you're lucky enough to have um, employee employer-provided Healthcare, um, the deductibles skyrocketed. It, it isn't like you're you know, wallowing in money that's left over every month. Plus, and if you're not, you know, there's, that isn't going to be accounted for that I can think of. And Nancy will, will know this better because I was never really in that end of the, the process. I was never at the, the mortgagees and looking at the, the people coming in for for money to buy buy property. But I would bet there's nothing you produce, you know, unless you're taking deductions somehow on your tax returns whatever your health care costs are. There's no way a lender is going to know about it, and, and it's very difficult for a lender, I think, given privacy laws, to even ask about it now. So it, it's just something that's... <laughs> it, it, there's no way of tracking your ability to pay or not pay based on those costs, which, of course, doesn't mean that that's okay to, when you qualify for a loan. It just means now you're, you may be super strapped because those health care costs, wherever they could be documented, are not going down. You can, you can bet on that. And why doesn't everybody have a? And I'm not I'm not giving advice here at all. I'm asking a question. Why doesn't I won't say everybody, but uh, anybody who's a uh, say your carpenter, or electrician, and a lot of people, a lot of them do probably. Uh, if you're just a you know even a laborer, running all these construction sites <clears throat> because that's where a lot of people have gone to work now. I mean, you know, a lot of people that have. Uh, Used to be the what do they call them the uh, the line cook the person that chops the onions basically yeah they found that they do they can do a lot better That's the job for me Tom <laughs> oh god it'd be it'd be awful I, I wouldn't be where everything has to be the exact same size oh, oh god I'd be uh, that'd be that'd be bad the dinner once you get good at it though you're set for life you know? <laughs> well yeah I mean well it's, you're set for life and not a very big salary but no. the that's what I mean, I mean as you know I, I love to cook and people say well gee you should open a restaurant I know that, that's a whole different <laughs> That's not even the same on the same planet. You know, when, I, when I cook, I cook something I feel like cooking that night. When you're in a restaurant, everything's got to be exactly the same as it was six months or six years ago. The same. Well, how would you like to have the restaurant that Josephine Wade has on the south side? Did you read that article in the Sun-Times yesterday? No. I've, this this restaurant in Chatham um, hasn't paid any real estate taxes, I don't think, since 2010 or 2011. We're in, into the hundreds of thousands now. Uh, the owner has been in prison for fraud, declared bankruptcy at least once, according to the article. But in the meantime, the, the Cook County Land Bank, which is Tony Preckwinkle's 
solution to having all this vacant land sitting around not producing um, has stepped in to stop other people from you know bidding at uh, scavenger sales to get the, the thing back on the tax rolls and in effect just giving these people a pass on their real estate taxes so that the restaurant continues to operate J.B. Pritzker has thrown you know thousands of dollars into it for catering for Democratic Party events and these people don't pay their taxes it doesn't look like they're doing much of anything else to keep you know a business afloat as you would if you're running a restaurant um, the Things like the Cook County Land Bank are just, you know, they, they, they got to be running for cover with a story like this. I was just laughing as I read it, although when you think of what the, the county is out in lost tax revenue, and this probably isn't the only example of it, it makes you think that there's oh, some really yeah. high collusion um, at the top of people taking care of favorites and insulating them from the sort of expenses every business owner has to deal with, taxes, well, utilities, it is. whatever else. And, and, you know, it, it's nice if you're with the in-group, but if you're not, forget it. Well, first of all, you're, you've been from Chicago. You know that there's no such thing as everybody else. <laughs> Some people. You know, the, 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 the Chicago's real motto should be what? Where's mine? According to Mike <laughs> Royko. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it, you know, that, that's quite the deal. We come back, uh, John, we've got a minute here to break, but um, interesting article. I, I don't know if I sent, but I'll read part of it. There's a, a guy talking about... This isn't a recession; it's a war session. I, I don't believe that one so much. But it, <clears throat> he starts talking about the the lack of ability to have any kind of a of a negotiated settlement over in Ukraine with the the different turns the war has taken. Uh, but I, I sort of agree with him, and I don't ugh, not so sure I want to think that way. But uh, I mean, just to lead off, when you you know, when the, the Civil War, what at Gettysburg, only one one civilian got killed, right? And that was an errant cannonball landing on somebody when he was sleeping. I think. Yeah, it was a totally unplanned battle. Yeah. I mean, it was it was just big, you know somebody needed one off and needed shoes apparently, and they ended up just colliding with some unintended foe. They were not interested in you. Know, this isn't like Clausewitz and other people putting this together on maps for months, or like the Battle of the Bulge with, with Hitler's planning. This just happened, and yet still, you know, it was, ended up being a crucial war with with. You know, horrible impact on the environment, but not so much on civilian life. So, no, I know. Well, and, well, when you turn into the Ukrainians, I, I think they have some people that probably have been in armies before, or at least kind of know what to do. But by and large, it's a, it's a civilian army. So it's you know, so everybody there is is considered a soldier against you. It's not all that shocking. I'm not I'm not justifying any. It's not all that shocking that the Russians are going out of their way to say every single person is is now part of the opposition, whether they're five years old or not. So I mean, it's it's not like it's all that unthought of. Uh, anyway, let's talk about that more after the break. While we've been talking, uh, SPs are now down twenty nine, so we're leaking way more here. As if we just down one fifty. Be right back, stocks and jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for 
stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, hello, welcome back. Stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Howell, Mr. Uh, Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures down on 30, Nancy Futures down. 150. We just got a uh, text from our man Greg, who was just then. Uh, you remember his name, uh, John Abner Vickman. Abner, what the hell's guy's name? Boy, I'm going tongue tied here. Uh, Miss, uh, the dude is, uh, Mr. Mikva. Was his first oh, name? Abner Ab- 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 Mikva. Ab- yeah, died, uh, 90 years old. Um, he was a name, uh, he was quite the jurist in his time, wasn't he? He gave legal advice to an awful lot of, he's the guy, who, when he was young, and the, what's the phrase? We don't want nobody, nobody knows, or something. Nobody, nobody said, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was a uh, South Sider, protege of Sidney Yates. Remember Sidney Yates? Yeah. And, um, sort of the, the you know the liberal, not not as liberal as like the Leon Dupre wing of the of the Democratic Party, but, but more liberal than the Daily wing of the party. And uh, yeah, he was a big name. Um, I didn't see that yet. Thanks for telling me. Well, you know, sometimes we get to scoop the Flanagan. Very yeah, never, very, it's not very often, but. Uh, yeah, what uh, I, I just I, I talked to uh, actually to uh, uh, Angelica this weekend, and uh, you know we we do have resources on the show, and uh, and she was you know she wants to uh, come back on and talk about how bad things are over there. I guess her her running mate, uh, the, the the two ladies in that area that I met, they used to work at uh, Club Lago. Now they both have went to school and have other jobs and so forth, but. Uh, there's Angelica and the other lady was Tatiana. Well, evidently, uh, Angelica's, I think her mom and everybody is still somewhat okay. They're in a town that was occupied early. Really, Tatiana's sister, uh, managed to get out on the 20th day, but her brothers, they're fighting. You know, and so far he's still okay. Uh, but the amount of people that are, that are dead and, and all this kind of, and she was, you know, obviously she's anxious for people to somehow support the program over there. Uh, by the way, the guy died in 2016, not this week, Mr. Mikva. Um, oh. so we were, we were like six years late on that. Uh, <laughs> oops. Shows you how much I keep up on. Yeah. Those but uh, anyway, so, 
she was, and I, of course, called our, our man of all, all resources, uh, Mr. Lou Michaels. I had a long conversation with him on Friday, or Saturday afternoon, and uh, he was saying that, uh, well, one of the things Angelique has talked about is there's no, no, there's very, very few prescription drugs. So, so Lou was saying that, uh, he thought for, you know, that we should maybe have the man, if, if somebody's interested, that the, uh, the Ukrainian churches are doing a, a tremendous job, which is general humanitarian aid. Uh, you know, whatever clothes, blankets, whatever else, those kinds of things that people need. And it, uh, a lot of it, uh, there's still airports in western Ukraine that are being used, that aren't being occupied. And some of it's landing in Poland, and the Polish people, uh, you know, because <laughs> of course, you know, Lou says, I said, well, aren't we, you think we're, Responding to this halfway decently, and he said, "It's not us; it's Europe." He goes, "No, nobody has to explain to the Poles or the Latvians or anybody after seeing what's happened in Ukraine as to who's next." I mean, they're absolutely convinced in Germany too, to a certain extent, uh, that this that this is Putin's vision. And uh, so, you're not getting, you know, they, 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 you know, nothing focuses what the mind like the gallows. And uh, anyway, so a lot of this is happening in Poland. And he was saying that when it comes to, to drugs and things, that the people who are really out there in the front line are these. You know anything about these doctors without borders? Yeah, just just I mean, I, I get mailings from them occasionally, and I I read about them in news reports and stuff. And they have they have a sort of a news gathering arm too. Weren't they? Well, didn't we end up nailing one of their places in Afghanistan by mistake at one time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they've had sort of a history of this because they they are in hot spots typically. You know, friendly fire or be mistaken identification of targets or, you know, corrective identification of targets. They often, you know, are, are in the center of things, casualty wise. Well, he was talking about those two, and, and of course, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be Lou if he, uh, he wasn't. He, if, if people really want to give some cash to where it's going to go into, uh, uh, shall we say military equipment, um, we could, we could find you somebody. Is that, how, is that, is that the nicest way to say that, Jen? Yeah, yeah. We 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 probably got a guy. Um, I don't have that, but I, but I guess we can. If somebody was really interested, we maybe could do that. Uh, so what do you what do you make of? I don't see any this this uh, anyway. This article I was talking about. The, the guy says there's there's no way on earth that anybody pulls out here and it's it's you know we'll trade this for that and everything's okay. I, it's it's too far down the drain. I mean. Uh, I'm starting to feel that way too, Jim. But I don't. I don't really know what's your feel. Well, it's already way beyond where I ever thought it would go. Um, and I, I think I said on the show it's, at some point I, I was doubtful at the time that it would even involve you know, a Russian entry into Ukraine. That's how you know, glibly optimistic I was. But I'm with you on this. I, I don't see any reason why it's going to turn around. And. Part of the, the difficulty, I think, is that there is nobody, either in Europe or elsewhere in the West, that has the kind of diplomatic chops or history of, of dealing with tough situations like this or the kind of, of command that they have of respect and disinterestedness such that you could go in and broker a peace. And in the past, I mean, we, we have had people in the State Department, you know, retired officials from the State Department or retired ambassadors, whatever, who already, you know, knew the, the place from the get-go and had friends and connections and 
the ability to sell a position when you've got warring sides. And, you know, that's generally how wars of this kind of a nature that are, are you know, where the rivalries are intense, maybe because the parties have so much in common and so much shared history that it's unlikely to end up in a neat resolution without some kind of external intervention. But but who is there on the stage today? There is no, you know, Secretary General of the United Nations with that kind of clout or image or skill. There's nobody in our State Department, certainly not a Secretary of State, who has anything to really bring to the table here. And Europe is almost in, in worse shape than we are when it comes to having anybody rise above this and speak, you know, credibly to both sides and stick their nose in and get people directed towards some kind of a, of a resolution. I just, I, without that kind of talent pool, um, I just see it being, you know, a, a fight that will continue and expand and worsen, you know, for the foreseeable future. But, you know, it's, it's unfortunate we're here and now we are doing it at a time when we don't have any kind of people to draw upon to get us out of it. We used to have, like, a lot of, I use it, not a lot, we had some that were in terms of statesmen that had, you know, a huge record in World War II or Korea or someplace that were just kind of above reproach. I mean, maybe, maybe in a, a Colin Powell or somebody like that, somebody who would have, would have enough, you know, who'd have enough back, back channel communication to Putin. Maybe. Well, you know, Teddy Roosevelt got the Nobel Peace Prize for brokering the treaty between Japan and Russia and the, the Russo-Japanese War. I'm not sure from what I've read exactly how much he did, but he was, you know, he had connections, America had connections to both sides in that, and Roosevelt was the point person, the one with the highest visibility. Um, it kind of put the United States on the international stage even long before World War One and World War Two. Um, and it did end the war. I mean, it, it didn't fix things for Russia, but it did resolve that immediate conflict, which was a, you know, the, Ru- the Russians were getting completely smacked in that war, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. But, I mean, they were probably very happy to have somebody like Roosevelt come in and, and get the thing turned around because they, they were going to hell on a handbasket pretty fast. Well, since the, the stuff with the Russians, I mean, people are absolutely convinced on both sides that it's, uh, it, it's somewhat of a, a Putin-only policy. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. It seems like it would be. I mean, he's the guy who thinks he's a czar. It, it appears. I mean, me sitting here uh, on Stocks and Jacks, not like I know the guy. Um, we, we've, we've made the thing very, and, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have, we made the thing more personal for a leader than I've ever seen in every kind, any conflict in my life. Uh, so, I don't know. Is, is there, plus, I've, you know, you, you hear rumors that the guys took taking almost as many pills today as uh, Hitler did near the end. Uh, I don't know. I mean, what, is there is there any way? How, I don't see how he personally can get out of this at all. Much less, uh, you know, even if the thing is, I can't see this being five years from now. Those guys still all over the place, and civilians getting killed, and tanks getting blown up. I mean, it it seems like it has to have an end somehow. I just can't envision it. Can you? No, I mean, what, in the past, when this when it's reached a critical point, you know, for example, in World War One, uh, when Tsar Tsar Nicholas II made himself the military commander, which was a terrible move because he knew, knew nothing about being a military commander, and instead of giving the people confidence, it, it turned the war into a debacle for the Russians, and the the, the horrors that followed until the Bolsheviks, you know, 
whole front, the country was in total turmoil, had com- completely turned on the Tsar. Um, and then you had the, the opportunists, the Bolsheviks, who went in and <laughs> seized control and, and kept the ball rolling and eventually got the Tsar and his family exterminated. Um, but it was only because the, the country was hemorrhaging um, completely and had been really since the beginning of the war. And, you know, suicides of generals and everything else because they, they weren't getting any kind of results that they get the population behind. And, uh, you know, unless that happens in, in Putin's case, um, you know, it, it, unless the, the people he's, you know, churning into this war machine rebel or say, no way, not anymore, um, that, that's unlikely to change anytime soon. So, yeah, it's I don't a, know, I, the thing that bothers me, and I, I really, I was listening carefully to Carol last week, because as he said, and I agree, you can't really believe what you get about this war from any of the news organizations. And when I saw the 60 Minutes last night, I was going to have a, you know, an in-depth interview with Zelensky in his bunker, I immediately changed the channel, because I know this is nothing but kind of a puff piece um, that 60 Minutes is now kind of famous for. And it has nothing to do with really telling a story that a journalist would feel proud to do. It's all about selling an image, kind of, you know, sell and demonizing another image. And this is this is what keeps wars going. It, this does not fix the problem. It just makes it harder to solve it. Well, John, one of the things that I know that I I, I should be doing if I, if I get another hour in the day somehow, uh, because it's not like the markets haven't been keeping me busy with all my clients. Uh, again, today I got to believe we'll be making a whole bunch of trades. Uh, especially with this, this big rally in gold here today. Wow. Uh, I'm glad I didn't sell calls. <laughs> we should have bought some. Uh, I don't, uh, I, I, I have a feeling that I should be subscribing to, uh, a couple of newspapers in London. Um, I, there is no Al Jazeera English anymore, is there? Not, uh, I can't find it on television. I mean, uh, you can read it. I think there's a paywall for it now online. I haven't looked at it in a while. I'm saying that's the kind of stuff you probably would have to do to, uh, but you're, you're right. I, I don't see how the, the, uh, the Secretary General of the UN has not, even, even to get people in the same room, maybe he has. I mean, he has not called a, a Security Council. I mean, who's, who's on the Security Council these days? Besides us, Russia, China, it's still France and Britain, right? Yeah. And they're trying to get Russia kicked out now, so. Well, isn't that how... That the, doesn't the, seem to be a, a very wise... Well, the China, China, will just, China will just veto anything. Right. And, uh, and, and India is staying somewhat neutral on this whole thing. How Why that is, I don't know. But uh, they seem to want to play both sides against the middle. Right. And uh, I don't know what... Well, the only reason why the Korean War was the U.N. event, didn't the, the guy from the Rus- the Russian guy storm out of the room and they voted while he was out? Yeah. And, I mean, we still have... What, 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 I mean, it's, a, it's an armistice, a somewhat precarious yeah. armistice that's been going on now for almost 70 years. And, you know, that doesn't show any sign of resolving itself permanently. So it's hard to have a lot of hope that it's going to happen any sooner in a situation between Russia and Ukraine either. Um, if, if you were to name a person on our end who still has the the health and the chops to even try and do something like this, the only person I can even think of is probably Condoleezza Rice. Well, and she has, you know, training and a history of, you know, in Soviet studies. Um, I don't know how much she's really kept up with it, such that she, you know, she has a, gr- a great deal of historical background in it. You're supposed to come up with like five other names I haven't thought of. Yeah, the Wolf. 
it's a real short list, huh? Yeah, I mean, it really, really seems like it is. I don't, uh, I don't think. Well, you get people like George Mitchell, for example, with the the Good Friday Accords, you know, between Ireland and yeah, and the UK, where you know Mitchell, you know. Maybe he had Irish ancestry, but you know, it wasn't like he was a partisan in the eyes of, of anybody really at, at that table. And he, he encouraged and got cooperation um, because he didn't seem to have any kind of a stake in it. And it just seemed like the, the humane and intelligent thing to do and, you know, more or less succeeded. Um, but in, but who, who, who's around like that today? Well, that's what I'm saying. I, this, is, this has nothing to do with me personally, but there was a huge fight on the trading floor back in the day regarding how much the, the DPM system, the, the specialist system, how much they could they could take out of every trade, essentially, that happened. Right? And they essentially took more from the, from the get-go than they, the law said they should have, the rules said they should have, and there was a, an alternative trading committee and, of course, I was plunked as the chairman of this committee with the uh, assignment of one of the assignments of of finally nailing this thing down, and John, I had one hell of a time. It was six months of my life of fighting back and forth, back and forth. But the the one thing that, and I don't know if I made any friends at all on either side, but the one thing they could never say is Bill Flourish was a genius on this. First of all, I had a pretty good reputation as being pretty honest, but that that wouldn't have cut it. They all knew that I only traded in the OEX. It had nothing to do with the equities. And neither side could say, well, we don't like the guy. They could say that. <laughs> Maybe due to this day. But they couldn't say, he's a crook or he's got a, he's got a, a, you know, he's got a dog in the fight. Because I didn't. And, you know, it was, to the extent that it was very difficult to start with, it would have been impossible if I wasn't, quote, neutral. Or didn't have this, this, uh, feeling for a long time. And like, I don't know if we have a, another Iran Contra thing. We're, we're probably going to have another Iran Contra because people are always going to be bad at some point. I don't think we have another Dan Inouye, do we? No. And the question is, not only will we have another one, but it's already underway and it probably just hasn't been exposed right. yet. Right. Instead of the, you know, the people like a George Mitchell or a Teddy Roosevelt, we have people like George Soros yeah. spouting off about the conflict. We have all these people in Washington with family on the payroll of various Ukrainian companies in it to the hilt in their pocketbooks and who of those people is willing to step aside and let a diplomat speak on anybody's behalf. The, the process of finding somebody who can re- actually get in and negotiate a settlement is so corrupted too because there's nobody that's going to be allowed to do a job even handedly without all taking care of the people who are going to allow such a person to even be in the room with with other representatives. So I I, I just I, it's, it's not unusual that we've gotten so mired in this, given how much how mired we've been in Ukraine for a while, or and or nobody really wants to know. I, I don't think how deeply right. certain people are mired in it, and, and and as long as that's the case, those people are the ones actually I think controlling policy decisions. They don't admit to it. Nothing ever gets voted on. They never say they're doing this. But clearly, their bidding is being done, and there's handshake deals all around the world with other business people that are going to make money in their eyes no matter what happens in Ukraine. And I just don't see any kind of diplomatic solution when you've got that as the primary. Again, you, you always, how do you, how do you not, 
always have that. There's always the there's always the bullet maker. There's always the the cult manufacturer that used to run around and give the gorgeous hand carved handles on the Colts to all the different uh, people around the world, the czars, and everybody. The next the next month there'd be an order. And, and you, yes, and you always did have you know, people stirring up conflicts to get corrupt you know armament orders lined up, and what you know people who were in it for the money had no allegiances, had no morals. That's true, but the money now and the power is something that was unknown it's the same in World War One times and it was really bad in World War One with DuPont and all these other oh, God, yeah. armament manufacturers and Carl mentioned the Lusitania um, which I was glad he did on Friday there was always dirty stuff and cover-ups afterwards to, to well we don't have to go flag operations and everything else but it's so much worse now Tom well we don't have to the the the, the what was the uh, 747 got blown up over Ireland Oh, the Lockerbie, the Pan Am. Uh, yeah, it was a Pan Am. Yeah, Lockerbie, Scotland. Yeah, um, I mean, we still haven't had a, a huge list of people from the the CIA are not supposed to be fly commercial for just that reason. Weren't there like six of those guys on that plane or something? Yeah, I mean, there's always. I mean, you never. But I bet. But all every at all times, Jan, it seems like we always had somebody. I bring this name up because I rem- I remember him from the Contra. What Dan Inouye was a decorated veteran World War Two. I don't remember whether he was left or right or what he was, but he came. He was a center from Hawaii, and wherever the guy talked, everybody shut up and listened, basically, because he didn't talk that much. <laughs> and when he did, he had something to say. I mean, but we used to have. I would put Adley Stevenson in that group. There were people who were absolutely above reproach. I would put Bob Dolan in that group. I would too. Uh, but there were people that had they had impeccable war. Right, not that you have to, but they just. They were they were just they were known as nine crooks. <laughs> they were they were people that actually were straight. I I don't know that I can name five people from either party right now that I would say is like that. I can't. I mean, look at the difference. Yeah, I, I hesitate to because I know there's there's going to be some dirt I was unaware of that's going to make me look ridiculous for mentioning their name. But look at the look at the difference between Colin Powell, uh, a decorated general, and this guy Flint. Now whether he's Republican. You didn't see Colin Powell running over, getting money from Ukraine and sitting at Putin's table, getting a check from the guy. You know what? Wh- what is the difference? I mean, wh- how much more money these guys need? They get a nice pension. They had a nice career. I mean, there, now there's this, this, this struggle for more and more and more. I mean, I, I don't know that. I'm saying I, I don't know these people well enough. I'm sure there are people that, uh, you know, one of the people here in Chicago. I know the guy a little bit, uh, Mike Quigley. Now he's been uh, representative now for a while. Now he's managed to get on uh, what's the, the double secret committee where they have to report when they when they blast somebody. Uh, the armed services, you know, like it's not the committee because that's an easy committee to get on. It's the uh, the one on uh, covert warfare and things like that. I mean, I mean he's managed to uh, apparently, you know. Impress his peers enough to where he can be trusted to be on that committee. I have no idea how that process works, John. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not willing to say that there's nobody in the House or nobody in the Senate that isn't who I'm talking about. But whoever it is, they don't ever, ever let them talk, do they? No. And you know, in the, in the past, when, you remember Doug Hammarskjöld, Secretary yeah. General, of the UN, who, who I think you know, the more and more I read about him, he, he truly was unaligned 
with any factions and was an honest, upstanding diplomat in an era where there, there weren't a whole lot of them either, you know, 60 years ago. And he was taken out in a highly suspicious plane crash in Africa because nobody wanted somebody that clean oh, yeah. in any kind of a power position. I actually think, I don't know how clean he was, but he was... He had the image, though, you know, and maybe in, in, in drastic times, the image may be just enough to get somebody to, to get conversation started and stop the shooting. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't really see anybody having that kind of credibility or power today at all. Nobody would, you know, take the job knowing what they're up against. Well, you know, he was he was buried in Chicago politics, and uh, I think when it came to prices of dinners and all that kind of stuff, I mean, the lobbyists always paid for every night. I met him a couple times at some of the Seabell Funk, because we, we were not friends or anything. If he walked on the street, we didn't know who I was, other than I might have been at one of his breakfasts. Uh, I really think that on, on, a, on a bigger scale, uh, Rasty was one of those people. I don't think you could push him around at all. And they couldn't wait well, to get rid of that guy. You know, Probably, you know, although he had a, you know, ignominious end and his constituents turned on the horrible image of him being you know, yelled at by the senior citizens in front of his office. But yeah, he, he had enough of a history and a, a, a fairly clean history that had allowed him to kind of, you know, you know, get other people to shut up when he was talking. Well, big, huge, big Polish dude, you wouldn't have messed with him. And he just, he knew his stuff. But the idea that they couldn't wait to get him out for 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 stamps. Mail, Frankie yeah. privileges. Who, who gives a crap about stamps? Kind of small beer stuff town. Yeah, who, who gives a crap about stamps when you come right Barney Frank got away with a lot worse. Yeah, well, and then, then they replaced him with uh, Denny Hassard. Well, people obviously, there was something. Was that right after him or was Newt in the middle? Uh, Newt was before Hassard. Okay, so then. So, yeah, yeah. But I mean. Now, there was a guy that obviously people had the goods on. Some, oh, yeah. Somebody controlled he had him. He compromised from way back. Yeah, somebody yeah. controlled him. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think there was any anything like that in, in Rossi's past. No, no. But, I mean, I, any, anybody now in that position, whether it's Paul Ryan or Nancy Pelosi, I mean, it's, the list isn't yeah. really that long since the days of, of Denny Hassard. But they are all... You know, worse than he is, and he was pretty bad when he when he reconstructed what was going on. I think there was somebody that had him protected for a while until they didn't want to protect him anymore. Which is which is bizarre that he was out of there. But you know what? I, what interesting about the limits of power is, uh, of course, you know the option traders. You know, when we have breakfast, these guys, the, the questions were pretty direct. I mean, there was traders don't hold back. I mean, there, there's nobody; they're their own employer, right? So, right, it's just like going to Iowa. To run for president, I'll, I'll bet the I'll bet the blue haired ladies in the in the in the, in the diners don't hold back either. <laughs> well, even somebody like Bill Daly, Tom, I think was, spoke more more straight and more from the heart and had greater credibility than anybody close to the White House now or close to the White House in, in Trump's era either. And yet he was, you know, kind of a minor player, but I, I think he had a, a sort of gift. Were appearing not to have a vested interest that distorted his views. He, he would answer questions in public situations in a way that didn't always put him in the best light. He wasn't afraid to do that. And uh, that goes a long way, I'll tell you, in, the, in political discussions to, 
day because nobody's going to step on a hand grenade in, in any kind of a confrontation with the press. They'll just lie their way out of it rather than answer honestly. But Bill Daly wasn't like you know, that. I had a, and he, was, he was more more fluid and you know a better speaker than anybody else in the Daly family. So that was that was a, a useful gift, and it's it's rare enough today. I had a hour and a half one on one with Bill Daly. I've never told you this. No, it was absolutely fascinating. Um, he was a member of the club over at the Buckingham, uh, back when everybody was. Now nobody is, I mean, there's hardly anybody there. But, but Bill was there, and I, and Bill, I mean, Richie was there too. So I would talk to Richie all the time. My, my brother, he and Rich, he would go there every Saturday and work out. I mean, most of the time it was him and, and, and Richie David. They're, 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 they become best buds because they both like beer and they both like <laughs> the South Side. And, uh, so, so when I was on the board of the SIBO, I said to, uh, Richie, I go, hey, you know, I don't know, we pay these, you know these lobbyist guys was a uh, uh, Patton Boggs and Blow Tommy Pat or Tommy uh, Boggs was our guy, so we pay these guys this morning. I'm like, I have no idea how much you're supposed to pay these dudes and what they're supposed to do for you. And I feel like a dumbo every time I'm voting on it. And hey, go, go, go talk to Billy; he'll tell you all about it. Quite an hour later, Billy's secretary calls me. Just come out over on Friday. Uh, you know, Bill meet with you. I go over there. There's nobody in the place. He was what? It wasn't Winston Strawn. He was uh, Mayor Brown. Mayor Brown, yeah. I think. Hour and a half. The guy gave me a whole list of who all the lobbyists were, how much they paid, how much you should pay these guys. It was God, John. Talk about an education. He's the nicest guy around. <laughs> There's just me, and I'm a nobody, you know, basically. Well, I don't think you had to wash your wallet when you were in the room with him. No, he didn't ask for any dough. Right. I mean, it, you know, absolutely not, John. Thank you very much. Talk to you yep. later in the week. SP Futures down on 36. We're leaking here pretty bad. Uh, Nasdaq Futures down 190. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. 
I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Lord of Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Mr. Matt Byrne on the board. Uh, we got a, le- a leaking uh, financial system here this morning in terms of markets. Right, the Dow's down, I mean, the NASDAQ is down 178, S&P down 34 and a quarter, so it's kind of lowest we've seen. It just keeps trickling down, uh, at least so far trickling. Dow futures down 138 over in Asia. Big sell-off over here because uh, China hit producer inflation going through the moon. I think we have CPI tomorrow. I'll, I'll check that out to make sure, but I think it's tomorrow. Uh, well, Nikkei is down 164.6%, but mainland China is where the big problems are. Oh, and the Hang Seng. Shanghai down 85.2.6%. Hang Seng down 663. That's three per- over 3%. Uh, that's a lot. Plus, they're, they're, uh, they've still got people locked down in Shanghai. And, oh, by the way, they supposedly have more more uh, cases of COVID than they've ever had, even though everybody's locked down. So, obviously, that's not working. Uh, over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 120.8%. These guys are lower than they were a minute ago. Or an hour ago, uh, FTSE down forty nine point six percent. Kick around, however, is up, although not as much as it was. Up sixteen points, it's point two percent. So they're like the only leading plays leading the way to the upside. A ten year yield up five basis points, two point seven six. The bond, now this is a shocker, up nine basis points, point eight one. Remember how many years we spent with these guys negative? Now they're they're racketing highward, but upward by the day. I mean, they're still you know point uh, eight zero basis points, but it's a uh, uh, it's way different than, than below zero. Japan up one to point two point two five. The way of review on Friday, Dow was actually up one thirty seven. S P Alber was down twelve. Nasdaq down one eighty six. So Nasdaq leaked out on the close as it has been doing. Uh, oil down four thirty eight ninety three eighty eight. The lowest we've seen in a while because some of the stuff is now coming out of the strategic reserve. And plus, China's locking down cities; so they're not using as much. Rent down four and a quarter, ninety-eight fifty-one. Natural gas up sixteen cents, six forty-four, which has got to be the high. I'll check that for tomorrow. For the last several years, our Bob uh, down ten cents, three oh two. We've got gold on a tear, up twenty-three bucks, nineteen sixty-eight. Silver up sixty-seven cents. That's that is twenty-five fifty number, which it kind of gets near and it gets smacked down like whack-a-mole. I wonder if it keeps going this time. We will see. Copper down four cents, four sixty-eight, and we have Bitcoin. Down 2100 to 41,078, so they're kind of down to the lower end of their range as well. Uh, what do you have for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. Currently 7.36 a.m. on April 11th, 2022. Uh, in sports, real quick, in the MLB, White Sox really take down the Detroit Tigers 10-1 to last night. Uh, Cubs lose to Brewers 4-5, to and the Diamondbacks lose to San Diego Padres 5-10. to Chicago weather, partly cloudy, 55 degrees, high of 58, and a low of 39. 
In Phoenix, clear skies, 65 degrees, a high of 86, and a low of 61. In traffic, uh, local Chicago, uh, hi, uh, heavy traffic eastbound the Eisenhower between Wedgwood and Congress Parkway. After that, uh, to slow down all the way to downtown. Uh, traffic westbound on Eisenhower between Costner Avenue and Des Plaines Avenue. Traffic eastbound in Kennedy between Cumberland and Irving Park Road. Picks up again at North Racine and goes all the way to West Monroe. Traffic westbound in Kennedy between West Addison and West Bryn Mawr. Heavy traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan between LaSalle and West Monroe. Traffic northbound on the Stevenson between Harlem Avenue and South Kedzie. And finally, traffic northbound Lakeshore Drive between East 18th and East Jackson Drive. That's all we got, Chief. Back to you. Do we have Nancy? I don't hear anybody. Do we have Miss Nancy or no? Yeah, uh, yes, you do. Hey, how are you? How are you? And and kind of, we have Miss Nancy Longgram, American Portfolio Mortgage, and our our uh, she's managed to have wormed her way in to be our total guru on the housing market, Nancy. I don't know if you know you did that or not, but you did. I didn't. I'm surprised. Why? Tell me, anybody knows more about this than you? Uh, probably, I really don't know. Everybody's probably really good at it. Okay. It's just our, our industry just has a bad name. Um, so, well, you had a lot of, so, 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 does, so does ours. <laughs> From banks pumping and dumping <laughs> in the 20s to, you can, whenever there's money around, you can always find somebody doing something he's not supposed to do, right? That is correct. It's that just, is correct. Uh, somehow they didn't go to the it's right... Like the politicians. Yeah, oh yeah, they're like, as soon as there's a little scratch around a... Uh, Oh, Chicago, where's mine, right? Where, where can I wet my beak? Right. Uh, yeah. Um, we're from Chicago. We know how it works. We, we, yes, we, yes, we do. We know how it works. Uh, the, uh, I, yeah, I love the part where I gotta wet my beak, you know, kind of thing. Um, yeah. hey, what's, uh, how, how, how bad is this? I mean, I, 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 for those that don't know, Nancy works a lot with, uh, Audrey, my significant other, and always real estate. Nancy does, uh, mortgage financing. And, and other stuff for people. And, uh, you guys, it seems, you guys, you lovely ladies seem to be in an area where a lot of what, I mean, Audrey does, and you help a lot of her people, a lot of what she does are, are people somewhat, I'm going to use the term trading houses. It's, it's, it's people that mm-hmm. are older that'll sell the house and then buy a condo because they want to downsize. And then there's somebody who has the condo that they, maybe they have child number two and they need the house and they buy the house. So there's a lot of your, a lot of I'll use the term trading, and I, I don't suppose that business, as long as somebody isn't dumb enough to get caught with two or three houses, and uh, uh, you know if, if things do go the wrong way here, um, I don't. I think you you guys are not going to be at square zero like ever. But some parts of the business, both real estate and what you do, um, if a, you know we're talking about six and a half percent mortgage rates and first time buyers and. All of a sudden, that that can collapse pretty dramatically, can it? I mean, you've seen it. Yes, absolutely. I mean, everything is um, quiet right now. I mean, there's going to be no more refis unless someone really needs to get equity out of their home. And if you listen to commercials, that's what, you know, uh, my competitors are selling. And I don't believe you should really do that unless... Um, you know, you have to. I got a call this week about somebody who has, like, private mortgage insurance. And I explained to the guy, there's two, There's. it's funny because there's a law that says it has to drop off at 78% of value to his home. And his home probably really has gone up that much. But I said there's also a thing that says, well, the PMI on a conventional loan has to stay on for a year, maybe two years, depending on what company it is. 
so I said they, they kind of conflict, and I said, and then the happy medium is you, if you want to get out of the PMI before the year or two years is up, then you have to refinance. I said, you're at 2.625%. Pay the $63 and be done. Yeah. Until your time is up. You know, it's, it's pretty clear. And he said, well, it's so unfair. And I said, well, the system is skewed so that they make money and you get screwed. I mean, I don't, I don't know how else to tell you this, but that's what's going to happen. And I said, it's just, it's just one, it just is definitely more towards the person, you know, lending the money as if they're back, they're, their ballpark, their ball, it's it's their rules. So I said, it's the way it's going to be. And people, so they pick out one little thing, but 2.625%, I mean, that's gone. Will we ever see that again? I don't, I, I doubt it. Well, never is a long time, no. but it will be a long time. Yeah, it will be a very long time. What time? Uh, so, one, one of the things that always is, is, uh, kind of amazed me and and how this stuff works years and years ago I had a friend she lived out in the and this is in the first go around when when prices went way up and probably was 2007 maybe before that Uh, she lived out in uh, what's that area of the city you can't get there from here it's like Belmont and damn near Cumberland it's still city out there right like near O'Hare Norwich? yeah it's way the hell out I mean people there take the they take the northwestern to work I mean there's no there's no L, there's no street, there's no, you're right between the Kennedy and the Eisenhower. I mean, you are, you are in the land of time forgot, even though it's, they're pretty nice neighborhoods, right? And, uh. Okay. And she was, she was telling me that at one point, this is before, two, it had to be 2007. So they had a big black party and everybody was sitting around. It was mostly a lot of Caucasian, but a lot of, a lot of Hispanic, but they, you know, the neighborhood was, uh, f- fairly mixed. And, uh, so the, the big topic of conversation was how not any one of those people could afford their house at the current price. They'd all bought places in the twos, and they were now going in the fours. And I just, it always strikes me is if one or two houses or three or four, how these these values, these, these quote, appraised values, walk up as fast as they do, and then all of a sudden they walk down as fast as they do, and yet you're really talking about, you know, three or four people Maybe buying a new house in the neighborhood and paying more what people did before. I, I would wonder, I'm not so sure that I'd be comfortable loaning at the new number knowing that 90% of the neighborhood could not pay that number. Well, that's why these agencies are, the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were created so that everyone can own a home. That's the American dream. So you follow their rules, and if the cash flow, it's all based on cash flow, and if the cash flow works, you get the house. I mean, but I so think the, the... I understand what you're saying, but it just, you know, everybody feels that way. I mean, I don't know if I could rebuy my house. Yeah, I mean, it's... My own house that I live in now. Well, when you have, when you have a, uh, it, it just is, I don't know, it just seems kind of odd to me that the, uh, when... The whole the whole neighborhood is averaging seventy five thousand dollars worth of money in terms of income. All of a sudden, everybody's house is worth a half a million, <laughs> and nobody nobody come close to qualifying for that house that they're what they're making. There's just not there's just not that many people for those houses to be worth that much. You know what I'm saying? But now right. on, the way, on the way down, isn't this the American dream? Oh yeah, that you buy it and you keep hoping that it's going to go up and up and up and up, and then you'll make this this killing on it. Well, I guess. Uh, I don't know that it needs to do that necessarily. 
I mean, I'm taking a, a little bit of inflation when, when I was a youth, you being much younger, uh, I mean, the, the beauty of the post-World War I, World War II era, World War One. I'm not that old. Um, my parents bought, uh, my stepfather and my mom bought the bungalow in, in 1958. I think they paid, mm-hmm. I'm going to say 18 5 and my, of course, my mom mm-hmm. saved, my mom saved some money even though she had a couple of kids and was a widow. Stepfather was just a regular guy. So he, but he had a good job and, uh, so they went to Concordia and they get their mortgage. And, uh, I'm gonna say you had probably what? 2% inflation? Which doesn't seem like much, but he, he'd got a bunch of promotions and all of a sudden, I'm gonna guess the mortgage was probably, you know, half of one paycheck. You know, my mom didn't have to work. Correct. I mean, we weren't wealthy by any stretch, but, uh, you know, always had two cars, and uh, we only had two kids, and everybody else had, you know, six or eight, <laughs> which makes a difference. Uh, although at the Catholic school, Nancy, after after the third kid, you didn't pay. So you could have eight kids just as cheap as having three, at least in school. I don't think you see that too much I today. don't remember that. Oh, yeah, Catholic schools were... Uh, I'm going to say the first kid was 150, the second kid was 100, third kid 50 after that free, something like that. It was, even today. I didn't to, know that. Well, you didn't, you didn't come from a family of eight then, obviously. No, I, I came from a family of four, and there was always three of us in at the same time, but all three had, we had to pay for all three. Okay, but I mean, if, if you had And in high school, it was, I mean, everybody had to pay. Oh, yeah, high school, everybody had to pay. But uh, I don't, I think if you'd have got the fourth one in, in the Catholic school, the fourth one might have been free. You just, you just never got them in there at the same time. Anyway, but my point is, the little bit of inflation you had meant that after, oh, well, we sold it, they bought it in 58, probably sold it in 73, and it went from 18.5 to 27. So it was up, what is that, 40% in uh, 15 years. So it was just enough to where okay. you... You know, it wasn't like it, it was 150 or anything like that. I mean, it was up a little bit, so at least your investment was. But the idea of them walking into Concordia, federal savings at the time, and saying, hey, buddy, looks to me three years from now you're going to be laid off, and the house you're paying 18 for is going to be worth 15. I mean, that never even crossed anybody's mind back there, Nance. And now it's, it's, it's part of the, especially if two people, if you need both salaries to make the mortgage, uh, I have to assume you ex- you must explain to them and say you're not you're like twice as risky here because if either one of you get laid off, you're screwed. Correct. That is correct. You explain. I do explain that to them. So what? Um, I explain it. I explain to one guy that you the most you're going to be able to do if you do this transaction is you love to golf. You're going to be able to put across your family room. Yeah, well. And he looked at me like I had 10 heads. I said, that's it. And then finally they said, well, what he said, well, look, I, in a year I get this promotion, and then she's expecting to get this pay increase. And then it started, the picture started to fold, and it made more sense, than, at least in my head, that they, they knew they were going to be making higher salaries within um, 18 months. So it made more sense. Well, I mean, but but those I, are the kinds of things that you really need to talk about. Well, that's that. That is. That's kind of where I'm, I'm clumsily trying to get to, is that in, in our in our generation when we were kids, which was a while ago, the first of all, you didn't want to get sick in those days. It wasn't like life was all that great. But I don't I don't recall anybody anywhere thinking that two years from now, if you were healthy, 
your job situation would be worse, that you wouldn't get a promotion, that you'd get laid off, or even the union didn't have some kind of a raise for it, that somehow or another, just in general, we'd all be worse off a year or two from now. I, I don't ever recall that attitude anywhere, did you? No. No, but now it is, it's a reality. And I think it's hard on people, psychologically as well as monetarily. Correct. I, I would agree with you. I think that people, um, you know, especially if you you want to have kids, I mean, you know, there's going to be some time off involved. But now now the family leave, now it's paid for. And it's, they get paid time off. So, I don't know, you know. I mean, they put laws in place to try and bridge a gap where they can, but I, I understand what you're saying, and I agree with you that it's, if, you, if you went out to buy a house and they really understood what that all meant, they probably really wouldn't even do it, right? It's well, scary. it's like anything else. There's a, there's a time to buy and a time to sell. I mean, and, and most of us, I mean, certainly in my lifetime, it was kind of the luck of the draw. I mean, you let's just say my group, I mean, you pile out of college, and uh, that's why back in 2007-2008, I used to get pissed off at the old farts. How's that for a, a, a great thing to say in the air? Because most everybody, I mean, you, you you come out of school, hopefully you, you find a significant other, you date for a while, you live in an apartment maybe together, you have a kid, you got to get this. It's it's a question of timing, right, Nance? I mean, it's, it's the, the year right. you come out of school. You don't, you don't get to pick. I mean, when I graduated in 74, Hanami was awful. But virtually all of my pals and I, uh, it was cheap enough to do. I basically moved back home and, and, and scuttered my behind into, into business school for two years. It was cheap enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was able to work on weekends and pretty much pay for it. Uh, well, that that's not happening today. There was no student loan involved or anything. But we basically fled to, I mean, a bunch of my other buddies went to law school, which was three years. Business school was two. You basically fled the economy for two or three years, getting an advanced degree. And when I came out, things were better, right? I mean, it's, but by and large, your, your, bi- your biological clock, hey, you know what? It's not like, uh, you know, you, you, you ladies are all the same, but hey, you're 30 years old. You got one kid, another one on the way. Say, hey, hey, buddy, we, we better find a place for all these people, right? I mean, I mean it's, you know, I mean, right. I mean, this, but some years people bought houses at, at 40 and 10 years later the thing was worth 200. Some years you bought houses at 150 and 10 years later they were 160. But it really had nothing to do with your genius. It had to do with your timing, right? That is correct. Absolutely. I mean, it's, Absolutely. I mean, it's not like you were, you realized that they were really cheap and you bought two houses and remodeled one on weekends and really were a busy beaver. I mean, that's not what we're talking here. We're talking about basically, you know, some people had a real lucky year where they were born and some didn't in those days. Well, even now, people that bought that stuff. Correct. I'm going to say people who bought, um, shed every dime to buy a place in the last six months and paid these prices. I, I hope, Nance, that they, Live a long life, stay married to the same person, and don't get transferred. Because I have a sneaking suspicion that a year or two from now, if they all of a sudden have to sell that place and move, they got a problem. If interest rates are, I would. Go ahead. I would agree with that. Um, so, but but hope it doesn't happen. And again, it's it's kind of the luck of the draw. 
I mean, correct me, you don't know if you're going to get sick, you don't know if you're going to get transferred. I mean, one of the biggest problems, I think, in 2007, 2008, you couldn't move to Tulsa and get a job when you're, when you're 80% underwater, not 80, 30% underwater on your house. What used to, what used to do to people in those days? Did they just walk away or what? How did they all, I even, I forget, how did that actually shake out? You were obviously in the middle of it. They, um, uh, they, um, they created a program called HARP where, um, people could, um, take what they owed on their house and they, ref- they refinance them at a very low rate. I think it's, I think the lowest rate I saw was 2% or two and a quarter. And then they, um, the, some of those they turned it into 40 year mortgages. Some they just added to the back end of the loan. There's different kinds of programs that they did, but the people that actually are in those programs, they're not going to really understand what they did till they go to sell their home. Then they're going to realize that all this that they added on to the back end of the mortgage has to be paid. They were actually considering going to a 40 to 50 year mortgage at that time. Wow. I, and I don't think they, I don't think they, they, they didn't do it, but these people are going to have to pay that bulk off at the end and I've seen two people where um, the, you know the spouse has died and they've tried to um, refinance and uh, the one woman said well I'll, I'll just live here and die then and deal with it then and the other one said do I have to pay this off if I sell and I said absolutely it's going to come out of it Well, so she it? refinanced when the rates were lower and now it's at least all into one mortgage so how did she deal with it after she was dead well, the one, the one, and she isn't, she isn't gone yet, but that oh. was her answer to the problem. To well, face the situation, I mean, she was just like, I had no idea that's what this meant. And so, um, she said that she'll just live there until she dies, and then, um, you know, which you have to understand that she's, she doesn't have an answer, so that, that becomes her answer. Well, I'll that's the until I'm dead. Well, I hope to God she doesn't get sick, I hope to God she can still make the payment, you know, all those other things, because then, those programs aren't available anymore. No, hey, Bob, Nancy, so you might then you know, go into foreclosure. You mind shifting gears a little bit? Are you, uh, yeah. Are, are you Orland or are you Tinley? I'm Oak Forest. Oh, you're Oak Forest. So Oak I'm Forest County. What, what do you, what do you think? Um, uh, the mayor of Orland is coming on tomorrow. Who's going? Who's running for? Uh, oh, that's great news. Yeah, running for representative. And uh, what a, what do you make? What do you make of what's going on there? I mean. Uh, the him and him running. Well, I think he's. I suspect I'll ask him tomorrow. But I, he just got re re upped as mayor right like a year ago. So I think he can run for rep. Yeah, and people are very happy with him. Yeah, they're very happy. All of Orland has changed. The whole attitude of the people in there is like they're thrilled. He's done a lot for their city. The people are very happy with him. They feel that he has uh, done well during the pandemic. He kept the re- you know he kept as many restaurants open as he could. Um, he said he's not going to police whether or not you're wearing a mask in a restaurant. I mean, there were some practical decisions that he made, popular or unpopular. He stands behind he stands behind what he says. What um, I think he can I think if he loses, I hope, I hope he doesn't. But if he loses the the rep race, he's still married because it's early enough in the term. He doesn't have to quit the run, right? What what what? what uh, I'm asking you that. How how is how has has he dealt, or how have all those places? I mean, for all the southwest side has a lot of shopping. How have they managed to keep 
the malls open and the the violence down, and, and the shall we say the roof and the raft out of there, uh, because every one of these places has had to deal with stuff like that. Have they have they done the same thing as other people, or have they done anything different? You have any idea? I believe I believe like the Orleans Square Mall is only open from maybe I, I'm talking about the, the the stores themselves. They're only open from ten to seven or eleven to seven. They've changed their times. They've shortened the hours and. I do know they have something, some kind of rule about under 18 years old must be accompanied by an adult after a certain time. And they and man- they don't know if those, any of those restrictions have been lifted. Can they manage, they manage to enforce? I mean, it, it seems like Orland is, uh, I said, people are pretty happy, it, it appears, and they've done a lot of construction and uh, you know, of the roads and things like that. I mean, it seems to be a village that's working. Uh it's hard to tell from the outside, but it's, uh, you know, it, it, it seems like the southwest side. Of course, it's a destination for people downtown now, right? So it's, you know. That's correct. So it is, out of the whole area that's growing, it's it's the place that's growing. I mean, in Illinois, we're losing population. i got to believe you guys, when I say Oak Forest, Tinley, Homer Glen, uh, those kinds of areas are probably up population, wouldn't you say? You'd know that more than I would. I think Tinley and Orland are. Oak Forest is kind of landlocked, um, and they don't have a lot of um, retail or industrial to really help their tax base. Um, but Orland and Tinley have a lot of land, and they're they're making it work. And um, they're both doing extremely well. They're doing good. Well. As far as I'm concerned, they're doing they're doing really well. I mean. Houses in Orleans and Chile are not are looked upon as a very nice area. Their school systems are good, and it's um, and it's an integrated mix of cultures also. Well, yeah, they've got a big Arab I mean, population, which I've never seen a group assimilate as fast as those people are. Seems to me. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, everybody. I don't think there's any issues there, are there? I mean, there's always issues someplace. No, no, no. No, but I'm saying you got to mix it. There's Polish, strictly Polish stores. There's strictly um, Arab stores. There's strictly Chinese restaurants. Now there's Thai restaurants, and people are assimilating into their their culture into the community. And some of the, some of the, everybody's getting along just fine. And we've been known to go to some of those restaurants. Yeah, I mean, I've tried Thai now. It's it's really it's really good. You just don't know what you have until you venture out. Well, you know, you you know, you're, you're one of these Southsiders. It's not all just chop suey chow mein and fried rice. Oh my God, no, not, no, not anymore at all. Remember when we were young, the the, the rebellious person went with the uh, chow mein with his crispy noodles instead of the rice. That was that was being a <laughs> rebel. <Right. laughs> it was. There was only Lang Lee's at the time, wasn't there? Oh, Lang Lee's, they're gone. But, yeah, I mean, what, what percentage of all the orders there were either, well, everybody had egg rolls, but then you got fried rice, egg foo young, chop suey, and chow mein. That was it. That, nothing, that was it. Nothing I, spicy. In fact, when I asked my husband one night, he said, you know, we talked about what we wanted, and we decided on Chinese. And he says, well, I'll have, ch- I'll have chop suey. And I said, did you realize we have other things? He goes, like, what? Like, <laughs> what? Hey, uh, real quick before we let you go, what's, what is the, what's the current mortgage rate? We got at least get that out of you. We got like one second left. Uh, maybe like, it's for a purchase, maybe around five and a quarter. Wow. You think that's going to last or is it going up yeah. from there? 
Oh, I think they're going up every. They go. They move around, but they're they're trend, trending up. All right, Nance. Thank you very much. Talk at you next okay. week. SP Futures down thirty one. Nancy Futures down one sixty eight. Be right back. I'll be right back tomorrow morning. Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays.